wow, enjoy it. The, the sun, uh, it was a crazy week. Even after we met, it was a crazy week before we got here last week. And then, uh, I don't know about you, I was unable to get to my office in San Jose until Thursday. Uh, I just didn't feel like messing with it, for one. And uh, with 101 closing, I, I've just never seen this before. So uh, it was pretty crazy. And uh, I'm glad you're all safe and, and uh, glad that we're not underwater. But it's great to have you here this morning. And so I, I just was thinking as we were singing, this is for free, by the way. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, I was just thinking, as we were singing, Ferris, Lord Jesus, and it says, fair are the meadows and the woodlands. And, and yesterday we drove out a little bit right at dusk. And uh, I love this time of year with the green hills. And I just look and I just see, look at the brightness of these hills. And uh, you've heard me say this before, but uh, you know we still see things with really sin-clouded lenses. C.S. Lewis talked a little bit about that. And, and, you know, we still, it says all creation groans, waiting for redemption. What will it be like when Jesus returns and we have a new heavens and a new earth? If you think we have bright and brilliant colors now and awesome beauty, just wait. We have a Savior coming who's going to make all things new. And so I just remind yourself of these things as you drive around. Jesus is purer and brighter and fairer than even all of creation. And we live in one of the most beautiful areas of the earth. We're so blessed, even if it does choose to rain big time on us every 100 years or so. So uh, I was also telling someone, actually it was Derek Carr, I was texting with him. He goes, hey, what's up with the weather? And I said, you know, and you, someone, you can yell at me after if you want. I said, you know what, after this, my lawn's green every summer. I don't, I don't, Rob, you're probably mad at me too, the Mr. Water guy. Use water. Yeah, use water, yeah, because it saves you money. But, <laughs> but uh, wow, so much rain, but uh, really, oh, thank you, Ed. But we're so blessed, we're so blessed with how, uh, you know, you read the Old Testament, boy, this is for free too, you read the Old Testament and you see when God withholds rain in, in judgment upon a nation, we, we don't deserve this, right? Even it's amazing how God takes care of us. So anyways, let's pray and we'll jump into our passage this morning and we'll uh, hit Ephesians chapter six. Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for everyone who's here. Thank you for the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, I just thank you for the fellowship we have and, and uh, the blessing it is to, to preach your word to, to your church. Lord, that, that loves each other. That puts up with goofiness. Lord, thank you for all you're doing within us. And Father, we have just a lot of excitement in this time. Lord, with uh, John, Pastor John and family coming. Lord, uh, prepare our hearts. Lord, I was even praying for him. Lord, lay on his heart what messages, what, what he'll be teaching us as he arrives. Lord, because we want to learn from you. We want to grow closer to you. We want to know more of Jesus so that he would be exalted, so that we would be changed and we would be a reflection of his glory to, to a world that desperately needs to see the hope and the mercy and the grace that there is in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, may we as your church continue to be only about serving and praising Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're in... Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're in the armor of God. And uh, by the way, we're going to finish this up at the end of March. 
uh, we will be finished. And right in time for Pastor John to come, uh, that's three more messages, not including this one. And Jeff has, uh, he's going to finish up. Are you going to finish up? Uh, Noah. And so we're getting him off the ark and we're seeing the covenants that God has uh, given us. And, and so it's just going to be a great month of March. Don't miss it. And uh, I, I just can't believe that we're almost here. And so I'm getting a little sentimental about it a little bit. But I'm also, my family, like, they asked me yesterday at dinner, like, hey, Dad, how much more? I'm like, three, four messages. And they, like, clapped. So <laughs> they were kind of happy about that to get Dad back on Saturdays a little bit. But we're going to, before we dive into the passage, let's read Ephesians chapter 6. And I like to read the whole context so we know where we've been and where we're going. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 20. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So we're in our passage here of spiritual armor. Today, what we're going to be looking at is verse 15 specifically. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Feet. Your feet. I was thinking about this passage this week, as I do. And my thoughts, obviously, since we're talking about feet, turn to my feet. There's a reason for this, because we're in this spiritual armor, and now Paul is moving down to the shoes that we need to have. Now, I don't want you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about something. Right now in your closet, how many pairs of shoes do you have? I bet you have a few. You know why? We Americans, the world, they love shoes. We have shoes for everything. Running shoes. We have dress shoes. Party shoes. I don't know why I put that in there, but I did. Formal shoes. Tennis shoes. Golf shoes. We even have something called swimming shoes. Flip-flops, hiking boots, fashion boots. We have Uggs. We have basketball high tops. We have soccer cleats, baseball cleats, boat shoes, sneakers, high heels, low heels, flats. Are those the same thing? I don't know. Skate shoes like Vans. We have five different colors of Converse or more. We have steel toe work boots. And when you really want to display a keen sense of fashion, we have Crocs. <laughs> so if you have something to do 
we have a shoe for it, don't we? But why are shoes so important? Proper shoes make whatever task you might be doing, they do actually make things easier. If you're hiking to the top of Half Dome, do not wear your floor shimes. Don't wear your dress shoes. I wouldn't even recommend wearing sneakers. Wear a good, solid hiking boot because there's a lot of terrain and a lot of climbing. You certainly wouldn't wear flip-flops. As a kid, when you played soccer or baseball, did you ever forget your cleats for practice? How to go that day? You slide all over the place. You don't do well. You're not helping your team. The other thing is this, I don't know about you, but if I didn't have shoes, I'd have every toe on my foot broken. Think about it, going all day long without shoes. Just, just the other night, my guitar case was in a place it wasn't supposed to be and it was dark and I didn't have shoes on and I slammed it really hard and it was about 12.30 at night or in the morning, depends on how you look at it. And I had to do the silent scream of agony and I wanted to yell out so bad, and it throbbed, and it hurt for a good 15 minutes. And I'm like, I'm sure I lost a toe. You keep looking down. I'm sure I'm bleeding everywhere, but it wasn't there, but it hurt so bad. You see, if you don't have shoes, and especially in a battle, if you don't have shoes protecting you, you are going to be ineffective. And you see, we're in spiritual war. This is what Paul is telling us. We are in a battle, and our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's a spiritual battle against some pretty serious things, the schemes of the devil, the rulers and authorities and cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We are in a battle, but yet, I have to say this each and every week, but Jesus has won this battle. So our job is to stand firm then in this battle. <coughs> and today, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. We've talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. Today we're looking at shoes. And remember that this is armor. And when Paul is talking here, he's saying, look at the soldier. Now it says what we just read, that Paul was an ambassador in chains. There's a very good chance he was looking at a Roman soldier in armor at the time of writing this. Look at the shoes. You see, the Romans had long marches. <coughs> they would run, they would climb, and there would be fierce and violent battles. And if a soldier could not move quickly, they would die. Romans put a lot of attention into their leather shoes and their sandals. It allowed them to stand firm, which is the command that we are given. <coughs> Look at verses 10 through 11 in our text. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Where is our strength? It's in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Look at verse 13. Take up, take therefore, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, verse 14. Stand. <coughs> stand firm. Paul saying us, let us not be people who are weak in the legs, but let us be ones who stand firm. And what are we to stand firm in? We're to put on shoes as this, the readiness 
given by the gospel of peace. Paul is saying this, be ready, be vigilant, be watching. Put on shoes the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Paul is telling the church to be equipped, to be prepared. The feet are not to be ignored in the battle. Stand fast in the faith. As Satan attacks us, we're here to stand our ground. Let us not be a people who give up ground when the enemy attacks. So what is it then that allows us to stand firm? What is it that really keeps the believer steady? It's having our feet prepared with the gospel of peace. Look at this. The gospel of peace. Is it just me that you see? Here we are in a, met, in a, in a passage that talks about warfare. And Paul's calling it the gospel of peace. That is what we stand firm in. What is the gospel of peace? Here it is. The gospel of peace is the awesome good news that we now have peace with God. Romans 5, 1 through 11. Let's turn there. Therefore, since we have been justified, who remembers last week we gave a a definition of justified? Declared righteous. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What is the gospel of peace? I love what chapter 5, verse 1 of Romans said. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace is the gospel. Jesus came and died on the cross and rose again for our salvation. And now we have peace with God. Back in Ephesians, we also saw, and we saw this and we learned this earlier. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. 
Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Look at verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the laws of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer refugees, strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We have peace with God. We were once aliens and strangers, people without a home, people without a lamb, and through a land. And through Jesus Christ, we now have peace. We now are part of a kingdom. We are now part of a family. We are now the church. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Do you see the greatness of the gospel? Do you see what has happened to you? <coughs> God is not our enemy. Think about that. Let that really sink in. We were once enemies and we are no longer under the wrath of God. Think about that. We're no longer dead in our sins. We're alive in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> We're no longer enemies, but we're sons and daughters. We have peace with God. And we are in a battle. We are in a spiritual battle. And the gospel of peace tells us that God is with us. God is on our side. If God is for us, who can be against us? And so then Paul tells us, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I'm gonna ask you a question. Who can take down our mighty God? The chuckle is appropriate because that is a silly question. No one, nothing. Our God is mighty. And so we're called to stand in his strength and in his strength, when we do this, we will stand firm. The battle has been won. Jesus is with us. God is with us. And so for our feet, the gospel of peace is what empowers us to stand firm. 
We live in gospel power. We live with the assurance that God is with us. Now, do you remember a few weeks ago, I told you about my friend Robbie, the offensive tackle for University of Texas El Paso in the 80s, the unmovable force, the, the strongest high school student ever. Well, it was great to have Robbie in my youth group. Uh, we were friends together. He was a year younger. But did you know, like, kids, when we, high schoolers, when we go to summer camp, I say that we, like, I'm still in high school. Uh, Maturity-wise, yes. But um, when we go to camp, we want to win. Did you know that? Like, you are desperate to take home the champion's mug, the T-shirt, the day planner, you know, whatever swag they give to the championship winning team, you want it so that you can brag and say, hey, look at us. And my daughter, like, not from her athletic ability, but she has like three or four. <laughs> it's true, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> but like, they were like Heartland champs. Well, having Robbie on our team, we didn't lose strength games, ever. He was the beast, he was the boy man. And imagine someone like me, if you know me, the confidence that walking beside Robbie gave me as we walked up to competition. All 135 pounds of me would walk with my head high and my chest out, confident and mouthy. Why? We had Samson. It's like, strength game, we're gonna win. We rallied around Rob. Now I admit that this illustration and me talking about this points to an overconfidence and some arrogance, the arrogance and overconfidence of a high school student. Now if Robbie had gotten hurt, we would have been in big trouble and all the other big guys who were just a little bit smaller or a lot smaller than him, that's bigger than me, would have pounded me. I needed Robbie to be as confident as I was. Arrogance isn't the attitude that we have as we live our lives in a spiritual battle. We're not cocky. But we are to live our lives in a humble, quiet, yet we live with an unmoving and unshakable confidence in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is by our side. And we need to know that with all our heart. God is on our side. And he brings us a confidence assurance of our victory because the victory is in Jesus Christ. A quiet, confident assurance. You're in a battle today. The victory is in Jesus. Be assured of that. What confidence we have in Jesus Christ. The gospel of peace brings a confidence in Jesus Christ. Jesus really is. We sing it, we say it. But do you know it? Do you live it? Jesus really is all you need. That's it. Just Jesus. In Christ, we can stand firm against anything the enemy throws at us. And our enemy attacks. My friends, if you have a sin that you are struggling with and you've struggled for 30, 40 I can't say 50, I'm not 50 yet, but whatever. Maybe your whole life you struggle with certain sins. Jesus is your victory. Know it. 
The gospel of peace brings power and confidence that you can withstand the darts of the evil one. We'll talk about that in a week or two. But be ready, be on guard, be alert and clothe your feet with the gospel of peace. You see, Satan wants you doubting. He wants you slipping. He wants you doubting God's power. He wants you doubting the goodness of God. He wants you to doubt the grace that he has given us. He wants you to doubt the power of Christ in you, which by the way is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. God is with us. But when we doubt God and who he is and what he's done, it makes us very unstable and ready for a fall. Sadly, I have experienced that, have you? So don't doubt our savior. And I'm not saying this like beating you with a baseball bat, okay? I'm saying that just as encouragement. Keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Be confident in Christ. Do not fear. Be strong in the Lord. And I'm going to say it again. God is on your side. Let's turn to a passage that really never gets old. Romans 8. Romans 8, starting at verse 31. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he also... How, how, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God. Who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any else, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Look at this. If you are lacking confidence today, just look at what Paul just wrote and regain it. Have strong <clears throat> assurance of what God has done for us and how great he is. Look at verses 31 and 32. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me know if you come up with anything that answers that question. You won't. Paul's asking, really, he's saying, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's kind of one of those, duh. No one. No one can be against us. Nothing shall stand against us. 
And look at the reasons. Look at what Paul does and adds on. God loved us while we were sinners. Are you amazed by God's grace? I don't care if you became a Christian at four years old or whether you were 35, 50, 60 years old. It does not matter. The sins that we have been forgiven by God is amazing. He died for us. He died for our sins. Last week alone, my life drove nails into the hands of Jesus and so did yours. And he died for me. And he died for you. While we were sinners, God loved us and he demonstrated his love for us. Guess what? We're now his children. We've learned all about this, right? In Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3, we've seen everything we are in Christ. Okay, he died for us while we were sinners. How much more now will he take care of his children? Amazing. See, Jesus, God did not spare his only son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all. So how will God not give us all things graciously to us now? He sacrificed his only son for us. He is not going to withhold from us anything that we need for a victorious life in Jesus Christ. Stand firm. God is with us. Look at verses 33 through 37. Who will accuse or bring a charge against God's elect? You ever been accused of something, rightly or wrongly? Ever felt the need to defend yourself? In Christ, when you're doing what God asks you to do, you do not need to defend yourself. In fact, sometimes I would think the one that is defending themselves might be guilty. In Christ, we have a confidence. Who can bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, declares righteous. God justifies. He says, Ron is righteous. Then who condemns? Jesus himself says, no, Ron belongs to me. I have declared him righteous. Where does my righteousness come from? Christ alone. But is his righteousness perfect? Friends, do you know who you are? As a follower of Christ, as one of God's people, of being his children, you are clothed in the perfectly pure righteousness of Jesus Christ. So Satan himself cannot come before the Father if he did this and say, look at Ron, what a mess. Look at Tim, what a mess. Sorry, I don't mean to do that to you. I just was looking at you. Jason, you're a mess too. I didn't mean to get off on a serious, serious point here. This is important. The accuser of the brethren falls flat on his face in complete error because of Jesus Christ. And God looks at us and says, because of my son, you are righteous. Oh, that's unbelievable. 
Why do we call it amazing grace? Because it is amazing. Because I know the wickedness from which I've been saved. But in Christ, we're declared righteous. God justifies, then who condemns? The answer there is no one condemns. Look at how Paul started Romans 8, chapter 1. There is therefore now, now, right now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not condemned. You're declared righteous. And Jesus intercedes for us. Jesus says, he's mine. You are mine. Look at verses 38 through 39. We'll start at 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Actually, no, excuse me. Verse 35, typo. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friends, have you gone through dark times? Have you walked through the valley of the shadow of death? As David called it in Psalm 23. In our humanness, we know that dark times often bring doubt of God's grace and goodness. In dark, maybe you're going through something even right now. In these times, allow the gospel of peace to surround you in dark times. That's why Paul in Philippians said, be anxious for nothing but by everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding. I like to say it this way, the peace of God that blows our minds will guard, stand guard for us. It'll surround us. Awesome peace, the gospel of peace. You see, Paul understood this. Now if you think you have troubles and I'm not doubting them, and I'm not discounting them. But look at the list Paul lists here. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. Even when being put to death, so to speak, even, even when we're considered to be sheep for a slaughter, in all these things, in these dark times, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, Jesus Christ. And you're right, I don't know what you're going through. You can say, Ron, you don't know what my life is like right now. I, I know. I'm not discounting the difficulties that we have. And I know that in some ways my life has been so blessed, I, I've been spared much pain. But Paul experienced a lot. He experienced much of the list that he just, that he just uh, wrote and that we just read. I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians. We're, we're jumping around a lot today. I hope you're okay with that. I love the scriptures. It's what teaches us.
Paul's defending his apostleship. There are people saying Paul's not a real apostle. And so Paul starts defending himself on that and writing about what's going on. And look at, he says, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more, and look at this list. Look at this resume of suffering. Far more imprisonments with countless beatings, often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Three times, you know why it was less one, by the way? They figured out one more would kill a man. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers. <laughs> we saw that this week, didn't we? Danger from robbers. Danger from my own people. Danger from Gentiles. Danger in the city. Danger in the wilderness. Danger at sea. Danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship through many a sleepless night. In hunger and thirst. Often without food. In cold and exposure. And, and apart from the other things, there's the daily pressure of me, of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And I am not indignant. If I must boast, I will boast of all the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In chapter 12, he says this, talking about his thorn in the flesh, talking about his sufferings. <clears throat> we'll start at verse eight. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, and I love this, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Friends, let the dark times let the sufferings that we go through and that we all do show and reveal the power of God in your life and stand firm. And we stand firm because we have the gospel of peace. Then back at Romans 8, the verses we know very well. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see in that list that there's even some of the things that he mentioned that were in, in our text in Ephesians? Powers. What we battle against will not separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. God is with us. In Christ we're secure, we're safe, we're victorious. The gospel of peace, it brings peace. It brings peace with God, we're no longer his enemies and it brings peace in the battle. It brings assurance, it gives us strength to stand firm. We have peace with God and God is with us. God is for us. 
The power of God is with us. And so I ask, as we're in this passage of armor, have you buckled your belt of truth? Are you standing firm in the truth? Are you engaged in the battle? Righteousness, are you seeking, as we talked about last week, are you seeking to live a holy life? Have you put on the breastplate of righteousness? And now today, are you confident in the gospel of peace? Are you standing firm in the strength of the Lord? We have peace with God. Our salvation is awesome. God is with us. No one could be against us. And so what I want to do is a little different. I'm going to read a passage without any commentary, which is hard, by the way. It is. It's difficult. You see me do it all the time. I'm like, I'm just going to read this, and then I end up commenting and adding extra words and explaining. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to read a passage without any extra comments. If we have the worship team uh, come up right after that, and we'll close in, in song. Actually, I'll pray after we read that. But what I want to do is I want you all just to stop and quietly, you can follow along in your text or you can just listen. But I want to rejoice this morning in the public reading of Scripture. I want to rejoice in the gospel and the peace we have in Jesus Christ. I want us to savor it. I want us to take it in like a meal. I want us to see that the gospel is rightly called <clears throat> the gospel of peace. So let's stand together and we're going to read Ephesians chapter 2 to close our time this morning. Really personalize this. Meditate on the scriptures. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel 
and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who, were, who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We have peace with God. Put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Let's pray. Would you take a few moments in silent prayer? Examine your heart. Maybe there's some in here today who have not experienced the peace that comes through Jesus Christ. If you're fighting, if you're at, at, at war with God, oh, I pray you would surrender. I pray the Holy Spirit would now awaken your heart to see that you're lost, but that you would see that you could be found and brought near through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. Those who are saved, thank God for your salvation. Take some time just to rejoice in the peace that we have with God through Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, this passage of the armor, seeing what you've done for us in our salvation is amazing. Thank you for the peace that we have. Thank you for the gospel. Father, may we be a people ready to stand firm because of all you've done for us. Father, may we always remember that you are with us Father, you may call us to places where our lives will be in danger for the sake of the gospel. May we go boldly. Father, I pray for young people in here. Lord, may you call people to go to places that need to hear the gospel of peace. Father, as we live in our land, as we live here, Father, may we be ambassadors of peace. May we, may we be quick to share the peace that we have with you through Jesus Christ. Father, it's your glory we seek and we thank you that you have given us everything we need to stand firm. Thank you that you are with us. And Lord, I just thank you for what your word says. With you for us, no one or nothing is against us. 
So may we be bold in our proclamation, bold in our holiness, bold in our righteousness, bold in our war against sin, because you have provided the victory in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.